Welcome to the show. I'm Ryan Marshall back with you once again for the 61st episode of My Turf, a podcast for the ages about NFL and college football. Is that corny enough for you? Yeah, let's get bound to uh, brass tacks, why don't we? This show, My Turf, it is about pro and college football. It's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please tell your friends. If they want to talk shit to me, the show's host, you can do it on Twitter, RyanFN18, or the show's email address, myturfshow at gmail.com. We come live to you every Tuesday evening and put out an episode weekly, so be sure to tell your friends that as well. Title track for this episode will be Be Kind, Rewind. And yes, it is based off the 2008 movie with Jack Black and Most Def. Of course, the premise, they own a video rental store and they erase all the tapes and reenact them in their basement to try to give some kind of product out there to people and people actually start to really like them. I know some of you younger folks are like, what's a video rental store? It's like a place where you really had to go inside a red box, right? And you couldn't stream online. And we didn't have DVDs yet either. We actually had to rent it and bring it back like a day later. You had to watch it that night with your with your family. And, you know, you'd make a night out of it. Popcorn, burgers, the works, just chilling with your family. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty simpler times and uh, it was good. It was pretty cool. So I do recommend the movie. Go check it out. So why are you saying, well, what, why are you using that title track for an episode? So last week I screwed up. And I always try to make sure that, hey, if I screw up, let's come back a week later and talk about it. Whether that's me eating crow for some stupid uh, stupid prediction or opinion. You just got to make sure that you correct it, right? Because I don't want to be wrong for you folks. Last week I said five-star quarterback Dante Moore, who, was a true, who is a true freshman, was going to Oregon. Mm, big mistake. He decommitted from Oregon at the last moment and committed to UCLA under head coach Chip Kelly. So Chip Kelly, so I had to got to make up for that. But be kind to me, okay? I'm, I'm I'm making up for it. So that's what they did in the movie. They screwed up, erased everything, but they tried to go back and make it better. Well, what if I didn't have to do that? What if I could take on some topics, kind of play devil's advocate to where I could be really critical and then just say, "Hey, let's go this direction." and be positive, and maybe play out a different scenario. Not just be a total dick like some of you think that I am. So let's go ahead and get into some college football news. Speaking of Oregon, they now move up to number six in the recruiting rankings after the four-star quarterback out of St. Francis Academy, Baltimore, Maryland, Michael Van Buren, has committed to the Ducks over Penn State and Maryland. This is a big, this is a big-time prospect. Reminds me a little bit of Bryce Young, just that just that type of game, really good touch passing. Um, he's a really good athlete, but I wouldn't say he's like that great, great athlete where he can run a, a ton. You know, he's he's thimble and quick enough in the pocket uh, to make you think about it, but doesn't really have that great north to south speed like a Lamar Jackson or even Jalen Milrow for Alabama. He's just got, he's just thimble enough like Bryce Young was quick and he can make you miss and get like 10 or 15 yards you know, he, he can just move within the pocket. He's got a strong arm. I really like this kid a lot. Like I said, really good touch passing plays at one of those, look, one of those top programs in high school football across the nation. They take on IMG Academy. They play Modern Day. They play St. John's Bosco. So they're one of those premier schools. Um, Chris Braswell, five-star, five-star outside linebacker, came out of there. You Alabama fans know him, of course. 
Uh, Shane Lee also came out of there. So they they put out some pretty big, pretty big time prospects for the college football world. And this kid's going to be the next one. So go check him out. Michael Van Buren. He, what is he, number two for uh, pocket passers for ESPN and number six for rivals. Uh, but I really like the kid's game. So this past week, seven teams or seven programs in the ACC have come out and said that they're exploring options of parting ways with the ACC. That's Florida State, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, North Carolina State, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. What does this mean? These teams want more money. There are concerns for these programs about having equal footing um, from 10 years down the road compared to the, compared to other conferences. These seven institutions ha- want unequal share of revenue, okay, based on their worth. Remember, this is how the Big 12 lost Texas A&M and Mizzou because Texas and A&M got paid a lot more than instead of starting the Big 12 network, Texas started the Longhorn Network and started making a lot more money. Now the Big 12 and Pac-12 and ACC don't have the TV deals like the SEC and Big 10. So Texas and Oklahoma, they're joining the SEC. Uh, of course, we all know next year, along with them, uh, USC and UCLA will be joining the Big 10 in the future. So the ACC is in deep shit. Their ACC network isn't generating uh, revenue and the grant of rights deal with ESPN slash Disney looks like a bad idea in the future. For football, this is all about Clemson, FSU, and Miami. For basketball, this is about North Carolina and Virginia. And and Miami is really solid this past year. Uh, They're pretty badass. ACC, they're still the best basketball conference, but this is about football. So let's be kind and uh, kind of rewind a little bit. Paul Feinbaum said this week that he really doesn't see, you know, why... Anybody would really want Clemson, Florida State, or Miami, or Clemson and Florida State in the SEC. He thinks that Clemson is too close to South Carolina, so regionally that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And he thinks the same thing for Florida State because Florida is so close and they would just basically go over the top of each other. I get that. I really do get that. In Miami, they're in their own little world in the very uh, south tip of Florida. I understand what he's saying there. But at the same time, Dabo Sweeney, Miami, Florida State, those are three big names in college football. Clemson is really one of those new age teams that's just kind of the cool kid on the block. Here's the issue, though. Ten years from now, the whole landscape could be completely different, and all three of these programs may not even be relevant. Or they could be the, you know, the big-time powers again in college football. We just don't know what's going to happen in ten years. But if I'm the ACC, I'm not really panicking. Why am I not panicking? Because you do have this deal in place. And it's $120 million per school if they want to walk. And I don't see a lot of programs wanting to come off $120 million to get out. They could possibly do that, but that's still a lot of coin. So hopefully they can get this fixed and they can keep a lot of their, you know, keep these teams happy and, and uh, they'll be able to go about their business. Blake Shapin, of course, uh, was a starting quarterback for Baylor last year. He has won the starting job at Baylor over Mississippi State transfer Sawyer Robinson. Some might say, who cares about Baylor football right now, Ryan? Well, we're in the middle of the offseason. we got to talk about something. So be kind and rewind. Remember, he started out on fire last year for Baylor. 
and Baylor looked like a potential Big 12 contender again after winning it in 2021. Shapin was on fire. They won their first four games, seven touchdowns, one interception, and then they just didn't finish strong. Six and seven, uh, four or five in the in the Big 12. It was not a good ending to it. He had 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and 63.3 completion percentage. I think he had 2,800 yards. So it just looked like maybe he got banged up. He just didn't look as good. Dave Aranda's defense didn't look as sharp either for Baylor. So they're looking to bounce back and have an impact. And they think Shapin's the guy. I think he's going to have a short leash. If you haven't, if you don't know who Sawyer Robinson is, go check him out. He's a big. He was a big time recruit in 2021 out of Lubbock, Texas. He went to Mississippi State, wanted to play for his idol, Mike Leach. And of course, unfortunately, you know what happened with Mike Leach passing away. Um, he transfers and leaves and goes uh, back to his home state. So he's got a ton of ability. He can really spin it with that overhead delivery. Go check him out, man. Sawyer Robertson, man. He's a really, really good-looking prospect. And I think if Shapin struggles, Dave Aranda, he does not want to let the season get away with him, and he'll put this kid in there because he's got a really, really high ceiling. In the news this week, assistant Michigan head uh, assistant Michigan coach Shemi Schembechler, he's the son of the late and great Bo Schembechler, who coached there for centuries, resigned just three days after he was hired to become Michigan's director of football recruiting. He engaged in, this was their statement, he engaged in flippant behavior on Twitter when she included numerous posts suggesting slavery and Jim Crow had the positive effect of strengthening black individuals and families. What a a dumbass. You just don't say these things right now, right? Not at all. Even if it was true, it's just a really shitty thing to even say. It's awful. And and I don't think it's true in, in any shape or form. Why is this such a big deal, you're saying? Remember, it was just in January that the NCAA sent a notice to Michigan against Jim Harbaugh for misleading the NCAA enforcement staff for violations during during COVID-19 recruiting. Remember during that dead period? And uh, he got into a, you know, so he's still kind of under investigation. They then again, later that month, Michigan offense coordinator Matt Weiss was fired for a report of computer access crimes at the school's facilities so they've had a ton of drama this offseason and it doesn't look like Jim Harbaugh has his staff uh, in check but remember the premise of the show be kind rewind okay so we're all thinking like Jim Harbaugh like oh 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 it's about to implode there uh, he clearly has some issues with the staff but this team this team is stacked and primed guys to win the Big Ten again and make another college football playoff run for the third year in a row. He's got a really good team, returning quarterback. The game at Penn State on the road late in the season will be huge for Jim Harbaugh and, of course, Ohio State. But make no no bones about it. This is a really, really good program, and they're going to do some good things. He's just going to have to get through all this drama. Okay, so let's move on to some NFL news. Chargers running back Austin Eckler demanded a trade, what, two months ago? Because he's 28, final deal of his four-year extension. But he's being kind and rewinding. He'll play with a $1.75 million incentive, and he's going to go back to the Chargers, but he will be a free agent next year. Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, after missing the first OTAs, will be attending the second OTAs. So back on the field for the first time since the knee injury on December 4th, then the contract standoff. Hey, this, this is good for him, so he's rewinding everything, letting everything bygones be bygones. 
This is key because he's got to get acclimated to uh, new offensive coordinator Todd Monken's sister. Remember, he's coming up from Georgia. He's got a background of being in the pros, was the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. So Todd Monken's got some experience, and he really rejuvenated that offense at Georgia. I can see Lamar being a really excellent trigger man for that team. Speaking of OTAs, New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers, that sounds so weird saying that, participated in in the first OTAs, but has a minor calf strain. Rodgers said, playing for the Jets is a dream, and he's having a blast. I'm sure you are, dickhead. Okay, so I'm going to be... Be kind, rewind, right? I believe I believe this since Aaron, he really does uh, look extremely happy, and he always missed our OTAs, but um, yeah, he does look extremely happy. I can't I can't say that enough. He just doesn't look as even stressed uh, like he was for the Packers. It seemed like on the podium, uh, it looks happy. I'm happy for you, Aaron. Being kind, very happy for you. Um, maybe you can go rewind your old play from two seasons ago where you won the MVP and return to that form for the Jets because that's what they're they're banking on, right? I did the best I could there, uh, everybody. I remember Jets still got to sign defensive tackle Quentin Williams, by the way. He's looking to become the highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL. All right, so this past week, former Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger hosted current Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett on his podcast, Footballing. Uh, And he said, I'll be honest with you, Kenny, and transparent. I didn't want you to succeed at first because it's like Ben who to the fans. This coming from the guy who didn't support Antonio Brown and allegedly raped a young female in Milledgeville, Georgia back in 2010 and was suspended four games for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Are we surprised he's this big of a jerk, right? (sighs) So be kind and rewind, right? Antonio Brown... Uh, he did make uh, Big Ben look pretty good on the field, but I think we can all agree that he's probably the most emotionally stupid individual that we've ever seen and is a huge head case and became a cancer to every team that he was on. Uh, Big Ben was acquitted of those charges and did apologize to Kenny Pickett face-to-face. He said, I was wrong and being selfish because you're following me up and I didn't want to be forgotten. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think we're all human and that was big. A big Ben. So, there we go. Be kind and rewind talking about these certain topics. I know there's a little bit of a different twist, but I, you know, playing the devil devil's advocate or being my conscious and saying, you know, what what if this happened? Trying to think from a different point of view. I did have a question this week, and it was kind of a long question. So ESPN came out with the top 75 quarterbacks from the 2000s era. And I had a question from Dale in Op, Alabama. Ryan, did you see the shit show of a list that ESPN put out for the top 75 quarterbacks in the 2000s? I, I, Dale, I did see it. Uh, I did see, yeah, but Baker Mayfield was one. I mean, if you look at it from a career standpoint, guys, he really did win a lot of football games. Number two was Cam Newton. One year, but it was a really special one year. Won a national championship. If you think about it, none of those guys that he played with on the offensive side of the ball ever took a NFL snap. So that's that means he pretty much put the team on his shoulders. Number three was Vince Young. Look, there was Vince Sanity for a while, right? After he, he beat Ohio State early on in the season uh, in 2005, then he goes on to win the national championship over a team that they were calling the greatest team in college football history in USC. 
beats Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, Lendell White. That was a stacked team, and he went out there and did the damn thing. Vince was the man. Uh, I mean, they were really solid. That was a great Tyler. Uh, was, yeah, Tyler Mays was on that team. I mean, that was a sick USC defense that Pete Carroll had uh, as well. Four is Tim Tebow. And, I mean, Tebow definitely deserves to be on this list. It doesn't matter what he did in the pros. He did did win a playoff game. Tebow at four, man. He was one of the best to ever do it. Five, Joe Burrow. Uh, 2018 wasn't a great season, but 2019, I mean, he had one of the best seasons that you would ever have ever seen. I mean, he threw for what? 5,700 yards, 60 touchdowns. I mean, he had five rushing touchdowns and six picks. They won a national championship. I mean, they dominated folks, people. I mean, he was in the transfer portal. Wasn't the transfer portal like it was back then, but him and Cam Newton, these are two of the greatest transfer quarterbacks that I've ever seen. Number six, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was great, guys. Um, You know, massages aside, this dude was an absolute monster on the field. Um, was, Was unreal. One... You know, won the national title for his team in 2016 over Alabama, even though it was a pick play. A lot of us felt like it was a pick play, right? But I'm going to be kind because he still was absolutely stellar in both of those matchups. Remember, they lost in 2015 to Jake Coker and that Alabama group, and that was a top top five defense, uh, college football defense of all time, in my opinion. Number seven is Kyler Murray. I have a little bit of a problem with Kyler Murray, but being here because he did it in one year, he followed up Baker, but the kid was sensational in that one year, guys. 50 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, had 1,500 yards rushing and 13 on the ground. First-round draft pick. I mean, he was absolutely sensational. Won the Heisman over Tua. I mean, Kyler Murray was was doing the damn thing. Number eight, Lamar Jackson. Remember, he got the Heisman in 2016. He was being called the next Michael Vick, and he delivered on every bit of that. Every bit of that back-to-back, 3,500 yards passing and 1,500 yards rushing. Lamar Jackson was incredible. Marcus Mariota at nine. I got no problem with this one. Remember, he won the Heisman Trophy. Dude was an absolute stud in 2014. I thought, man, to be honest with you, man, I thought they could possibly win a national championship, but Ohio State was just too much for him, too much for him and really had him off his game. Number 10 is Robert Griffin the third. I got no problem with this one. Um... RG3, I mean, the dude was just lethal, lethal in 2011. Baylor won 10 games with Art Bryles. He just was amazing. Um, it just wasn't one game. I mean, in his senior year, they won 10 games. He, what, threw for 5,000 yards passing, 47 combined touchdowns. And, I mean, he was everything. He was everything for that football team. Check this out. 78 touchdowns, 17 interceptions in his career. He had 2,300 yards rushing and 33 rushing touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence coming in at 11. Hey, Sunshine, his freshman year, got a national title, beating out Kelly Bryant midway through the season. Dewitt is an absolute stud. 90 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 18 rushing touchdowns in his career. Number 12, Colt McCoy. And you're probably thinking, like, man, these are some great names on the list. Colt McCoy, despite the arm injury against Alabama in the national championship game, Colt McCoy was one of the best to ever do it in college football. A 76.7 completion percentage in 2008. 
That stood for 12 years until Mac Jones beat that out in 2020. That is unreal. Colt McCoy was the man. A guy that I thought would be further up on the list. That's what I'm saying. I think I would have him above Kyler. And I think most of you would agree with me. Johnny Football. 7,820 yards career-wise. 69 completion rate. 63 touchdowns. 22 interceptions. 2,200 rushing yards. 30 rushing touchdowns. Guys, Texas A&M, they were kind of struggling a little bit. And Kevin Sumlin gets there. Johnny Football, redshirt freshman, he goes off and wins the Heisman. He was absolutely incredible. Beat Alabama. I mean, he was one of the coolest things to see out there. Number 14, I mean, I could see where he was really good. Kellen Moore at Boise State. I mean, he did have some big-time upsets, man. I saw him beat Georgia. Uh, when Mark Rick was there, it was it was absolutely incredible. 50-3 and three as a starter, guys. That's what his numbers are. Uh, 14,700 yards passing, 70% completion rate, 142 touchdowns passing, 28 interceptions, three on the ground. Those are some sick, sick numbers. A blast from the past. How about this one? Sam Bradford. Incredible. Incredible at 15. 88 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, five rushing touchdowns. Dude was an absolute stud. He just really couldn't do the goal line stuff in the 2008 National title game. They just really, really struggled. Um, he was still a great player in my opinion, but yeah. Jameis Winston's on the list at 16. 17's Matt Liner. 18, Andrew Luck. 19, Bryce Young. 20 is CJ Stroud. And 21 is Tua Tungabalola. Uh, 22, Phillip Rivers. 23, Carson Palmer. 24, Case Keenum. 25, Jalen Hurts. So that's the top 25. I got a problem. I think I would put Tua and Bryce Young, I'd probably move them up a little bit, but I would definitely probably have Tua above C.J. Stroud. And the reason I would have Tua above C.J. Stroud is because you're probably thinking, look, well, say his stats, Ryan, 7,400 yards passing, 69 completion percentage, 87 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, non-rushing touchdowns. And I probably would put him above Bryce Young. And I know Bryce Young won a Heisman. Um... You know, and Matt Leiner was a great one as well, guys. And Jameis Winston. It's really kind of conflicting on that one. But I think I'd put Tua probably at that probably at that 19 spot. And the reason I would put Tua there, I understand he didn't win the Heisman. Guys, those were incredible numbers. Do you know every seventh pass attempt? Not completion, pass attempt. Tua threw a touchdown pass. Alabama scored on 68% of Tua drives. And that's competitive drives. We're not talking about where he's about to kneel or anything like that. Competitive drives. And as you can tell, you can probably tell I'm a big Tua fan. Also, while saying this, how many times did you see Tua play in the fourth quarter but you all you know that all those guys had to play in the fourth quarter. Bryce Young, Joe Burrow, Tua blew out teams. He never played in the fourth quarter. Never. And if he doesn't get hurt against Georgia, which, you know, Georgia was doing really well against him after he hurt the ankle. I understand he's made of glass. 
uh, he would, I mean, he wins the Heisman. If he has a, if he finishes that game and wins the SEC championship, he wins the Heisman over Kyler Murray. That's what I'm saying. That impressive of, he did that two years, two years at Alabama. So you could make the argument, should he be above Kyler Murray? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You could say, well, Ron, Ron, that's a stupid argument. But I'm just saying, this kid never played in the fourth quarter and every seventh pass went for a touchdown. And then think about the touchdown rates that he was doing leading drives. So I think Tua, I would probably propel him a little bit further up in that list. But other than that, I, 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 no, I don't, I mean, I'm not crazy about Baker Mayfield being one. I probably would put, I probably, probably would put T, Tim Tebow there because of the impact that he had as far as a leader. Um, I mean, Baker never won a national championship. Tebow has two. One as a freshman and then his junior year. And he almost could have won another one his senior year, except that Alabama defense led by Rolando McLean was just too damn stout. So I love the conversation. I've said that we need to have some episodes where we break down maybe the 100 greatest NFL players or the 50 greatest NFL players because it would be a long list to go, go through. But break them down position by position, like new running backs, you know, Barry Sanders and some others. And I do want to say um, rest in peace to the great um, Jim Brown who passed away last week. Um, what an incredible, incredible player, but also um, a representation of, uh, of character, not only within the black community, but as a person overall, just an incredible human being. Talking about movies, loved him in Mars Attacks. I know I'm getting a little goofy, but Mars Attacks, he was great in that. And he was also great in Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino. So uh, rest in peace, Jim Brown. You're definitely going to be missed, man. He was one of the best to ever do it on the field for the Cleveland Browns and the um, the Syracuse Orangemen. He was one of the first black players uh, to ever get really noticed in college football. So, yeah, thoughts and prayers definitely for uh, Jim Brown's family this past week i hate to end on such a bummer note but jim brown was one of the best to ever do and i just couldn't talk about football without bringing him up but um yeah we're getting a little late in the show so let's uh let's pause and um yeah let's uh wrap it up we're gonna do uh, another show next tuesday we'll be back with you please enjoy memorial day holidays this upcoming monday and thank you for listening to the show remember apple Podcasts, spotify tell your friends they want to interact with me, the show's host, Ryan Marshall, RyanFN18 is my Twitter, and the show's email address, myturfshow at gmail.com. So episode 61, Be Kind Rewind, that's a wrap, folks. Hope you have a lovely holiday this upcoming week.